0: Welcome to the Hunt the West podcast, where it's all about getting outside, experiencing the outdoors, and having epic adventures. At Hunt the West, my number one goal for you is to get out and hunt. I'm your host, Skylar Harrison, and today we're going to be doing a question and answer session. If you follow me on Instagram at huntthewest.us, you will have known that I put out a little poll on the Instagram stories asking for questions, and I'm going to answer those here. So if you're not following me on Instagram, Go ahead and do that so you don't miss out on these Q&A episodes that I will probably just do every once in a while. We're going to get into some questions that have to do with me personally, like me and my life and my family and stuff like that, as well as some more directly hunting related stuff like the new bill in Utah about trail cameras. So we'll get into that a little bit as well as some other just general hunting gear, whatever stuff. But before we get into that, I want to announce the winner of the little giveaway that we're doing for leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. I want to thank the people who have done that. But we got a really great review this week from Hunting, which I assume means Colorado, Colorado hunting. Um, this individual said, Great podcast, five stars. I have been hunting big game 15 plus years and still this podcast has taught me new things and brought new information and knowledge that will be used from now on. My wife is a beginner hunter and I sometimes struggle slowing down and teaching her new things with hunting. This podcast has helped both of us by listening together and having conversations from the content of each episode. Thank you and keep up the great content. Well, thank you for listening and thank you and your wife for listening and i love that review because that is one of my primary goals with this podcast is to help the average person who has not been around hunting their whole life to understand what we do and why we do it and some practical tips on how to get it done and other podcasts other more experienced hunters just have a, a difficult time portraying those simple ideas things that beginners think about but experienced people have a hard time explaining so that makes me really happy i'm glad you guys are enjoying the podcast send me an email at skylar at huntthewest.us and i will give you a code for a free item in the shop for leaving a review. So I appreciate that. Just send me an email and I'll get you hooked up. All right. So let let's just jump right into the questions. Let's we'll start out with some of the easy ones here. What's your favorite podcast? I'm not sure if that was like in jest or if it was just like a joke or something. Obviously, you're listening to my favorite podcast right now, the Hunt the West Podcast. But actually, I listen to a ton of podcasts. Some of my favorites are Office Ladies, which because I'm a giant office fan, so if you've seen the Office, If you haven't seen the office by now, like, come on, like we can't be friends. If you haven't seen the office, sometimes I quote the office so much and so frequently. And I just assume that people know what I'm talking about. And a lot of times I get these blank looks and I'm like, that was really funny. And then there's occasionally the person that will just bust up laughing. I know that they're the office fan and then they're the ones that I'm friends with. So if you want to be friends with me, make office references and it will go over very well. So I like Office Ladies because they give a lot of behind the scenes and stuff like that. And honestly, a ton of the stuff that they talk about, I already knew because I'm a minor super fan of The Office. Other podcasts, I listen to business podcasts like uh, Smart Passive Income. It's one I listen to. Hunting podcasts, I listen to Cutting the Distance um, with Remy Warren. That's probably one of my favorite hunting podcasts. I don't listen to a hunt a ton of hunting podcasts because I don't want them to influence how I do my show. I want to be myself, but I listen to Remy Warren because he's just such an amazing wealth of knowledge and I learn stuff all the time on that podcast. So I highly recommend that. But I'm subscribed to something like 20 podcasts because I listen at work. So I have a lot of time to just bust through tons of podcasts. And I'm a one point five X speed person, sometimes two times speed so once you get listening to a lot of podcasts you start to like want more and and then the people that talk really slow you want to speed them up so which i i like and i if you listen to this podcast on 1.5x speed i encourage it because you can get a lot out of it in a shorter period of time so it's great and then i also listen to um like business and leadership podcasts like the jocko podcast he talks about military stuff and i really like his podcast and his whole philosophy and like his leadership stuff so I recommend that podcast too. I listen to a little bit of everything and occasionally I'll get sucked into a true crime podcast as well. That actually leads me to another question, which I mentioned my work. Then another question was, do you have a day job? And I do, I think I've mentioned this on the show before. I'm a medical laboratory scientist. So I work in a laboratory and I work in a parasitology and fecal testing department, which yeah, you heard me right. It's, it's fecal testing, but we do other stuff too. It's not just poop. So I, I, identify parasites which is a big part of what i do and then a lot a lot of the testing i do has to do with fungal antigens so there are like pieces of fungus that get systemically into people's blood or their lungs and we test for those things as well and we do all sorts of fun sciencey things with them and it helps aid in the diagnosis of patients or help treat chronically ill patients as well so I get, I, I do a lot of stuff. Um, it's pretty, it's a pretty wide variety of things, but that's mostly what I do. And my favorite thing that I do at work is identify parasites. So looking at a microscope, looking at Giardia and parasites like that, but that we also find blood parasites like malaria. So if you didn't know, malaria is actually a parasite and then it affects your red blood cells. There's also things that you can get from ticks that we look for in your blood. And then we also identify actual ticks. So people will send in ticks that they get on themselves or they find and they send them in for diagnosis because there's some ticks that carry diseases. And anyway, I could talk on and on about what I do at work and because it's pretty interesting stuff. But yes, I do have a day job. That is what I do. And whenever I'm not doing that, I'm doing this. So, yeah, let's just go on to the next one. Thoughts on Utah House Bill HB 295, banning trail cameras after August 1st on public land. Okay, so if you're not in Utah, this is kind of a hot topic right now in the hunting world. Um, There's a bill up for vote. I don't know the details on when it's being voted on. I know they've changed it a few times, so I've heard different iterations have different rules in them. So what I did after I got this question is I I hadn't looked at it in a couple weeks, and I pulled it up. And it has changed a lot. And I'm not sure if there's just something I'm missing. But right now, it doesn't even seem to actually ban trail cameras anymore. So it's really confusing. There's a bunch of stuff in here. Um, There's stuff in here that makes illegal stuff that was probably already illegal. And it's very vague. And anyway, I'll give you my thoughts on it. So, uh, but before I do that, I'm going to just read a little bit from the actual bill. So this is on the Utah legislature website. So le.utah.gov and the house bill. If you're interested, you can look it up. It is house bill 295. So HB 295. So I'll read a little bit from here. I'm not going to read everything because it's like legal jargon. and super no- Boring. So, in short, it has the description. It says this bill authorizes and instructs Walva, blah, 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 blah. So, it says this bill prohibits big game baiting, prohibits the construction of permanent blinds or other structures used for hunting within a waterfowl management area, prohibits commercial hunting guides from transporting individuals across a waterfall management area. And authorizes and instructs the Wildlife Board to make rules regarding this creation and management of waterfowl management areas. Which, I mean, wouldn't they have that already? I don't know. Anyway, it says nothing of trail cameras right there. And then l- later on, it says... Section 23-13-18 is amended to read use of computer or other device to remotely hunt wildlife prohibited. And then on the next line, it just says dash dash trail cameras, period. And then it says a person may not use a computer or other device to remotely control the aiming and discharge of a firearm or other weapon for hunting an animal. So yeah, obviously you can't have like a remote control gun attached to a camera and fire it from somewhere else right? Can't do that. And then it says, if you do that, you're guilty of a class, a misdemeanor. Great. And then (laughs) this is the, this is the, the line that is underlined. And, uh, yeah, I'm uh, guessing this is the amendment. It says as used in this subsection, blah, 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 trail camera means a device that is not held for. So, all right, let me back up here. So it says trail camera means a device that is not held or manually operated by a person and is used to capture images, video, or location data of wildlife using heat or motion to trigger the device. Okay, that sounds like a trail camera to me, but it doesn't say that trail cameras are prohibited. It says, in accordance with the title 63G Chapter 3, Utah Administrative Rulemaking Act, the Wildlife Board shall make rules regarding the use of trail cameras, but it doesn't say what they are. And then it goes on, talks about bait, talks about wildlife management areas, um, so I had heard that it was like, the question was submitted from Ryan on Instagram that it was prohibiting trail cameras from August 1st to the end of the year on public land. So on private land, you can use a trail camera because it's your land. You can do whatever you want, but on public land, trail cameras were going to be prohibited from August 1st. And then I heard rumors of things being changed and that now like backcountry hunters and anglers supported the bill. And I don't know, when I read this, I'll just give you my honest thoughts on it. It's just like, I think it's, it's dumb. Like, I don't think you should, when it's like so convoluted and it's not clear what is actually happening, like how can you vote for something you don't really understand? I don't know if that's my thing on it. And then the other reason that I'm against it in its current form is it talks about baiting being prohibited. And it says bait means intentionally placing food or nutrient substances to manipulate the behavior of wildlife for the purpose of taking or attempting to take big game. And then it says bait does not include use of salt, mineral licks, or other commonly used types of livestock, livestock supplements placed in the field by agricultural producers for normal agricultural purposes. So does that mean you can sit over a salt lick that you find on public land that was put there by a cattle farmer? I don't know. It says, a baited area means all land within a 50-yard radius of the site where the bait is placed, including the site where bait is placed. Unless authorized by the cert- Certificate of Registration, it is unlawful to bait big game. So, And that means that sometimes it is okay to bait big game, but by whom and for what purpose? Um, I don't know. It just like seems... Really, like if there's going to be an exception to the rule, why make the rule? And I I also have just kind of a, I just kind of have a philosophical problem with laws being made that can't be enforced. And so even if there is something that I'm missing in here and they are banning trail cameras on public land, like how are they going to enforce that? Like if you have a trail camera in the middle of the wilderness back in there, like how do they know, like how are they going to enforce that unless they sit over your trail? Like I just don't see it happening. Like I don't see a wildlife officer sitting there over a trail camera and then busting somebody once they come to check it during hunting season or two weeks before hunting season like august 1st so i don't know it seems weird to me and i don't really know but i might just be totally uninformed but it just seems like a bad bill like it doesn't seem to make any sense i don't think this is going to help wildlife at all because it's not like trail cameras can really kill wildlife you still have to hunt it So I don't see how it really makes that big of a difference. I'm sure there's going to be people that disagree with me, but I I just don't see why it's that big of a problem. Like, I don't see it being a problem right now. So they put up a similar bill in Arizona recently, and it was more broad. I think it was just banning all trail cameras. I could be wrong on that, but it was just banning all trail cameras. And it might've had similar dates on it or something like that. But I was actually really surprised by the support from hunters on there. And I know that Arizona has a bigger problem with kind of, um, lots of trail cameras in in particular areas where there's highly coveted tags. And you know, the, the joke in Arizona is that one person gets a tag and then you have like 50 people that go hunt the tag with the person because tags are so rare down there. So, uh, I mean, I I honestly see both sides of that Um, here in Utah. it just seems like, well, I don't know, in this current form, it seems like it's not even banning trail cameras to begin with. But if it was, I think there's a bigger argument to be had or more of a conversation that needs to be had before we pass something like this, because it came kind of out of nowhere. There was no talk about it, and I'm sure it will uh, go on and on. So we'll have to just kind of wait and see. My thought is that if the if trail cameras are are shown to be a significant de- um, increase in hunter success and it's affecting numbers, then maybe we should maybe we should change it. Um, if trail cameras are not a key factor in harvesting animals, then uh, I don't think there's any reason to take them away. Especially because they can be used for other purposes and uh, and hobbies and stuff. Um, I know a lot of people just use them because they like seeing animals and it's not necessarily they're gaining any real benefit in hunting strategy because of it. And I know there are people that do benefit a lot in hunting strategy and hunter success from it because, you know, they uh, have a a ton of trail cameras and that's fine too. Like, I just, I just don't see why this has to be just totally banned across the board and maybe there's an argument for it, but I don't know. I don't use trail cameras personally, so I don't really have a dog in this fight, but it just kind of seems like it doesn't make sense. Plus the baiting thing is weird because, um, I, and I'm not a lawyer and maybe the, maybe you were not allowed to sit over. It. So if you see a salt lick in the woods, you're not allowed to sit near it, even if it was put there by legal means. So if you're sitting at a water hole and it happens to be a watering hole that deer use or elk use, you're not allowed to sit it because there's a salt, a salt lick there put there by a cattle rancher. Then like you're not allowed to sit that wallow like and also how do they enforce that and so like my big thing is like why are we making laws that cannot be enforced because if you're re- if they really are effective then the the people that are gonna use that tactic are gonna be using it anyway whether it's legal or not so I don't know that's just kind of my take on new laws in general but I I could be misinformed I just read th- I mean the the bill is pretty short it's only 116 lines I read the whole thing and I just there's nothing in there. Right now in its current form that says that trail cameras are banned. And maybe I'm missing something again because I don't speak legalese. So anyway, those are kind of my thoughts. I know that I was kind of jumbled and I went on for a long time on that. Let's get on to some more questions. Here's one. Do you plan on taking your kids hunting? Uh yes, I do. As soon as they can sit still and be quiet, which will probably won't be for a few years. So I have a five-year-old boy and a two-year-old girl and I can't even keep them quiet during one hour of church. So I don't think I can keep them quiet for half a day on a hunt when they're outside. So, uh, the first thing I'll probably do with my kids though, is probably something where you don't need to be quiet, like a rabbit hunt or a squirrel hunt or something like that. Something that we can have high action and low intensity. So the next question is, is there any new gear you're looking to get this year? Yes. I had talked about this a little bit On the last podcast when I was talking about hammock camping, if you haven't listened to that, go listen to episode 51. Um, But I mentioned that my underquilt for my hammock is really heavy and also my sleeping bag. I haven't weighed my sleeping bag, but I think it's over three pounds because... Even though it's a down sleeping bag, it's a zero degree bag, which is overkill for most of what I need. And I would like to get a lighter sleeping bag. I've I've had that sleeping bag since I was a boy scout. I got it when I was like 14. So it's been a long time. It's an old sleeping bag. It still works great. It's fantastic, but it's really heavy and I want to get into the backpacking thing. So the next thing I probably get will be a new sleeping bag, a lighter one. But also I lost my rangefinder hunting elk last year. So I might need to buy a new rangefinder if I can't find it. I'm going to go look for it once the snow melts. So, hopefully I find it and it's still good. It's a Vortex rangefinder, so if if I do find it and it's busted, I can get a new one. So, they have that cool warranty. Uh the next question is what is your ultimate dream hunt? So this is tough because I have a bunch of them and I probably can't pick just one. Uh, The first one that comes to mind is Alaska moose. For whatever reason, that has just been a a dream of mine. Probably because growing up, my my friend's dad had this giant moose that he killed in Alaska in, in his front entryway. And every time I walked into my friend's house... I just thought that was the coolest thing, and I love that moose. So that's probably up there. Another one is mountain goat just because of where they live and how awesome of a creature that mountain goats are. So mountain goat and moose are probably pretty cool. Also, doll sheep. Doll sheep would be amazing, again, because of where they live and, you know, in those high mountains in Alaska and stuff. I think that would be cool. So those are probably my top three. I probably can't choose a top one out of those but yeah this next question do you ever bring your kids on your hunt or when do you plan to start oh that was a similar question um kind of already answered that one but i if i expand on that a little bit i will probably take them i don't know maybe when my son is like seven or eight i have some nephews that and and nieces that are around the age i might take some of them out first and see what age will work because i don't know yet <laughs> so i don't know like like how kids will react and different kids are different. So I don't know. I might take some of my nieces and nephews out on little hunts for rabbit hunts or something and see how they do. And then I'll be able to judge better what to do with my own kids. But for my own kids, it probably won't be for a couple of years. Um, Let's see this next one. Do you have any tips on how to cope with being by yourself in the wild, especially when things are bad? So yeah, do it more <laughs> is the short answer. So being alone in the wilderness is tough like mentally it's a battle and i still occasionally get scared like scared like i did when i was a little kid like when i'm scared of the dark when i'm alone out in the woods and you hear things you know the woods are not quiet at night and when you're alone there's just like something about i don't know there's something about being alone that makes you feel like super vulnerable <laughs> super vulnerable so my suggestion is a few things so do it more the more you do it the more you'll get better at it. So spend, spend nights alone by yourself in the dark with nobody around and that will help you kind of get better at it. Um, but he says, especially when things are bad. So like when, um, the hunting is really bad and you're really bored and, um, or if like the is really bad and you're cooped up and you can't really get out, um, you just have to find ways to keep your mind occupied. Um, one thing I really like is just a really bright headlamp. So that kind of helps like just having light really helps kind of calm my nerves. I I guess I'm kind of still scared of the dark. I mean, I'm not like scared of the dark, but I get, I feel a lot better when there's more light. So having a bright headlamp having lanterns around um, that can help you feel better. I also take a pistol with me um, usually. So that helps you feel a little more at ease. Like, you know, if something's going to attack you, you can, you can at least kind of defend yourself and feel a little bit better about that. But what it really comes down to um he says like with being in the wild by yourself, I'm assuming he's talking more about just like being alone and coping with that and not having people to bounce your ideas off. So just do it more and you'll get used to it. And then there's a certain point where you realize that nothing bad's going to happen, that it's all in your head. Um so yeah, let's see. Oh, this one is a good one. What hunts are you putting in for this year? So I put in already in Utah. I haven't put in for any out of state tags because I uh, just don't really have that strategy right now. And I only have time to go on a few hunts. So I will be hunting turkey, deer, and elk this year. So just the general season dirt turkey tag, and I'll probably draw a deer tag. Hopefully I should, um, my chances are pretty good. And then elk over the counter elk. Those are my three i will be doing this year next one should i be concerned with having survival gear uh the short answer is yes you should so the the things i think about with survival gear are just like being able to make a fire being able to have a shelter stay warm and not die you know things like that basic medical kit so what i have for basic survival gear is a lighter um i also have other things start a fire too like a backup lighter but really like i've never had a lighter fail me so i don't bother with flint and steel or anything like that because I just have a backup lighter um, and then I always carry a tourniquet with me just because whenever you're dealing with deadly weapons like arrows or bullets the chance that you I mean the chance that you always just be safe right and don't shoot yourself or stab yourself with an arrow but whenever you're carrying around dangerous weapons with you I think it's a good idea to be able to handle profuse bleeding <laughs> so I take a tourniquet with me and some quick clot which is stuff that helps bleeding stop quickly. And then my my biggest piece of survival gear is actually the Delorme InReach or the Garmin InReach. I have the old version, so it's, it used to be called Delorme, but now it's called Garmin. They were bought out by Garmin. So a Garmin InReach, it's a satellite messenger, and I take it with me on every hike and every hunt, and it's just always in my backpack. So I always have it. I have a whole episode on when i was actually using it to kind of self-rescue that was episode nine solo hunting in a hyundai was it nine or ten? One of those um i just re-ran that episode in episode 50 so you can listen to that and hear what i talked about with the garmin inreach other survival gear just basically like rope and just think about contingencies where like if i had to get out of this situation what would i need and usually a lot of that has to do around your vehicle so having a spare tire having an air compressor to fill up your tires and like a tire patch kit, you know, if in case your spare is busted or something like that. So you can repair a tire and get where you need to go. What else? Um, I always keep just extra food in my truck, extra water, a lot more stuff that i need in my truck so i don't have to worry if i'm if i'm out somewhere i don't have to take everything with me i can know that at least if i can just make it back to the truck i have everything i need so that's kind of how i do my survival kit i take the bare minimum with me so basic medical kit quick clot tourniquet and then m- what you actually end up using more often is like painkillers so like Tylenol Advil ibuprofen antihistamines stuff like that just basic everyday kind of stuff and that is the stuff you end up using more often than, you know, your tourniquet, which hopefully you never have to use best food prep for a long hunt. So I, this is a category that I probably am the least creative in. Cause I literally eat the same thing like every day <laughs> when I'm hunting, I take tuna protein bars, like the little self-serve or the single serve, uh, tuna packets. I take those different flavors, protein bars, trail mix, beef jerky. Deer jerky, whatever gummy bears are, are my go-to for a long hunt. Uh, I don't really cook. Like sometimes I'll take hot dogs and cook them over the fire, but honestly, I am not very creative when it comes to food. So this next one says advice. My, my family doesn't hunt. How can I help them understand? So I actually talk to non hunters and people who have never really considered hunting as a viable thing before. And I talk to those people a lot and the most palatable argument for hunting usually surrounds food because everybody eats food. Most people eat meat. And I found that the best way to smooth over, smooth over the idea of hunting is to use food. So one thing that I always say is I like to know where my meat comes from. So I hunt it myself, or I will also kind of throw in the survival aspect of it. So like I'd say something like, you know how most people wouldn't know what to do if they had to get their meat themselves, I lo- that's why I hunt or something like that. Or that's why I'm learning to hunt because I want to be able to get my own meat for myself. That way I know where it came from, or I don't like meat that comes from a factory or that is in conditions that I don't know. I don't know if it's humanely raised. My favorite meat is meat that I harvest myself that I know exactly where it lived, that it was living wild. It was eating good food and it hasn't been affected by hormones or, or poor living conditions. So that's usually where I start to smooth over the idea of hunting. And then after that, usually that's a good place to start. And from there, you can get into the nuances of like what their actual reservations are. And usually just asking questions is a good way to understand where they're coming from. So ask questions and figure out what they actually want to know. If they are just curious, like, oh, why do you hunt? Then tell them why you hunt because it's fun (laughs) and because you want to good quality meat that you know where it came from um so here's another one my wife is nervous about me going hunting by myself ways to reassure her um way yeah i probably need to learn this one myself (laughs) because my wife is also nervous about me going hunting by myself the biggest thing that helped with her being able to let me go hunting by myself was getting a garmin in reach 100 that was the biggest thing that helped her so um i'll leave a link in the description for the Garmin inReach that I recommend. Um, They don't sell the one that I currently have anymore, but if I was gonna buy a new one, I would get the Garmin inReach Mini. So I'll leave a link to that in the description. Actually, I have a a link on my website to it because I talk about it all the time. You can go to the huntthewest.us slash Garmin, click on the link there, that'll take you over to Amazon. And actually, if you use those links, it helps out the show, they're affiliate links. And so what happens is Amazon gives me a little piece of the commission at no extra cost to you and it helps the show out so if you enjoy the podcast and you want to help out the show just shop through those links and i get a little bit of a commission if you make a purchase so that helps me out or you can just go buy the garmin and reach mini and it will help your wife out a lot <laughs> Uh, The next question is, how do you handle five-year-old tantrums? Okay, so I think this comes from a post that I made on my stories on my personal Instagram at Skylar.Harrison, and I posted a picture of my son and his chore chart because we have been reading the book Way of the the Warrior Kid by Jocko Willink. I mentioned his podcast at the top of the show, actually, but he has a a book for kids called Way of the Warrior Kid. And we started the first one, it's called Mark's Mission, and um, anyway, it's about a Navy SEAL, Uncle Jake, who comes and lives with his nephew, Mark, during the summertime, and teaches him how to be strong and be fit, and he learns jiu-jitsu, and does his chores, and learns how to not be bullied in school and to get strong so he can do a pull-up. He can't do a pull-up and he got made fun of. Anyway, my son has been loving this book. And in one day we're listening to the podcast, The Way of the Warrior, the Warrior Kid podcast, which is the podcast that kind of goes along with the book. And you can ask Uncle Jake questions and kids write in and ask questions. Anyway, they mentioned a chore chart in this podcast. And my son- with was i was driving home from work with my son and he out of the nowhere out of nowhere is just like dad i need a chore chart and i was like oh you do huh and he's like yeah we need to make one when i get home I was like okay what do you want to put on your chore chart and he put a bunch of things on there like get dressed make your bed clean up your toys unload the dishwasher and he made this chart and i said all right if you do everything on this chart for two weeks i'll get you a warrior kid podcast t-shirt and anyway he did that He, he has been so polite and so helpful ever since we started reading this book he's just been a completely different child and he's he was a good kid before and obviously we still have tantrums every once in a while but because he's been reading those books and working hard and and doing cool stuff like that he's had a ton more confidence he's been very polite and he's been very helpful around the house and so i think that comes from this so the the short answer is i don't know how to prevent tantrums because he still has them and we still deal with them. That's just part of being five. But one thing that I do when there is a tantrum ha- happening is I just don't give attention to it. So we'll put him in his room, let him get it out. And then when, if he starts getting destructive, I just tell him, like, if he starts slamming the door, <laughs> I say, don't hit my door. I'm going to, or I'm going to take your door away. And I've like threatened to take his door off the hinges so he can't slam it. <laughs> and, and, uh or I say, if he's like ripping his bed apart, like he's throwing his his blankets on the ground i'll just say don't don't ruin your bed or i'm going to take it away and because i've been consistent on all my threats and i always follow through on my threats he knows that i will take his bed away and i will take his door off the hinges if he keeps doing that and that usually works but honestly don't be too hard on yourself if you have a five-year-old that keeps throwing tantrums because that's just part of being five Five five-year-olds have a lot of feelings and they've got to work through them and that's the only way they know how It's by throwing a tantrum. So I, what usually happens when my son has a tantrum is I put him in his room and I say, when you're calm, I'll come talk to you. Or what really helps the tantrum from even starting is I don't listen to whining. So when he's whining for something, I just say, tell me in a normal voice and I'll listen to you. And that usually works too. Or it makes him more mad and then he has to go to his room before he can calm down. Anyway. I don't know how to stop tantrums. I'm still working at this parenting thing. So don't be too hard on yourself. But what it really comes down to is just being consistent, I think is the biggest thing. So there's parenting advice from somebody who has only been a parent for five years. So take it for what it's worth. (laughs) What it comes down to is that a five-year-old is still a five-year-old, but he's his own person. So he still can make choices and he needs to learn that his choices have effects. So one of the effects that I want him to learn is that or something that won't have an effect is that tantrums don't get results. They get zero attention from me and you're never going to get what you want if you're whining. That is, that is like a hard rule in my house. It's like you don't get what you want if you're whining. So tell me in a normal voice and you'll probably get what you want. That's kind of how things go. But to kind of bring that into hunting a little bit, eh, one thing is like, because you can't force your kid to do really anything, they have to kind of decide on themselves. There are sometimes when you have to, you know, force them into the car seat (laughs) to be strapped in. Um, If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where you have to push their hips down into the five point harness. (laughs) So I'm sure you've all been there. But most of the time, you can't really force them to do what you want. And that goes with hunting too. So I want my kids to hunt, but if they're not interested in it, they're not interested in it. And the best way that I think that I can introduce them to hunting is by not really forcing them to do it and allowing them to develop it on their own. That's what most people have... Advised, And it seems logical to me. And I've noticed it from people who have kids that are in hunting and like some of their kids are into it and some of them aren't. So if you listen to the episode with my uncle Darren, that was episode 41. If you go listen to that, I asked him about that because um, some of his kids hunt and some of them don't. And he explains that in a way that I think really makes a lot of sense. Let's see. I think that might be all the questions. Plus, we're getting up there in time. So thank you all for submitting your questions. I'll leave links to everything I talked about in the show notes. So you can go to huntthewest.us 52 and get those links. So I'll leave a link to Utah House Bill HB 295, which honestly, after talking about it and reading the whole thing, I'm honestly just more confused than I was when I thought I knew about it. So go read that if you're interested on it. I'll leave links to the Garmin inReach and I'll leave links to some of the the little survival gear things that I had and that I talked about. And if you want to be involved in the next question and answer, go to huntthewest.us and make sure you're following me on Instagram at huntthewest.us. And if you want to follow my personal account too, I'll leave a link to that if you care about, like... What I'm doing. I don't post a ton on there anyway, but I post pictures of my kids and what I'm doing. So if you want to follow me, that's at Skyler.Harrison. So thank you for listening to this podcast. Make sure you are, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go leave a review and just share the show with, with friends and Neighbors and hunting buddies and family and whatever just share the show with people. That's the number one way that we grow And i'd really like to get the message out and help more people get out and hunt That is the goal because everybody deserves to know how to be able to harvest their own meat and that includes you So if you're a complete beginner or you've been hunting your whole life Everyone should be able to at least have the opportunity to go out and hunt to get their own meat and have an, an epic adventure And that's what I want to promote And if you know of somebody that wants to learn that, anyone of any experience level, just share the show with them and let them know that you like it. And if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that helps other people find the show as well too. So I'll leave links, like I already mentioned, huntthewest.us slash 52. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your questions. I really appreciate it. Now get out there and hunt the West.